occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. Happy New Year. Welcome back to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 12. Is it? Yeah. I'm Kate. I'm Abby. Today I'm going to be talking about Annabelle, the spooky haunted doll from the films. And I'm going to be talking about the Pontefract Poltergeist. It's a mouthful. It is a tongue twister, I didn't realise till saying it out loud right now. We got anything to cover? No. Happy New Year. It's 2020. Well, that it is, yeah. You got any resolutions? Uh, nope. <laughs> cool. I have loads. What are they? I need to be better. Uh, well, I, I'm i going to go to the gym. I Oh, I want to do that. I'm going to say yes to things more. Oh, I want to do that too. Are you messing around? <laughs> and I'm also going to quit smoking. I don't smoke, so I'm already one step ahead of you. <laughs> new year, new year. Anyway, time to talk about spooky things. Still a bitch, though. Shut up. Today I'm talking about Annabelle. Have you seen the film? What do you think? Do you know about the real story? The film makes me angry. Why? I just didn't like it. I really didn't. I've I've only watched the first one. Um, I heard that is it Annabelle Creation is the best one. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe that one really redeems it. But I personally was not a very big fan of the film. It just felt a bit too Hollywoody. You know, where they try and just shove kind of jump scares and stuff in? Well, I found the opposite, to be honest. I mean, if you like the film, you can like the film. I personally did not like the film, but I think that's because I know the real story and it's not quite similar in any way, really. I don't know the the true story, but I'm pretty sure that it doesn't start with um, a cult, a satanic cult, jumping a woman and putting a spirit in her doll I'm pretty sure that's not how it went I don't remember how the film went but yeah it's got nothing to do with the actual thing that happened yeah um also I did find it a bit boring I thought there wasn't enough scariness I thought it was a bit a bit dead but I haven't seen the others so I will watch them before I just write this franchise off as bad because it is part of the Conjuring series so I do like the Conjuring yeah so my sources are Warrens.net, theoccultmuseum.com, historyvershollywood.com, frightfind.com, thelineup.com, and texashostandspirit.com. Ghost and spirit. Host and spirit. <laughs> Ghost Te- host. Texas who? <laughs> cool. So if you didn't listen to our episode on the real story behind The Conjuring, uh, you should, first of all. I can't remember which episode that is. Shameless but... self-promo. Yeah, for us. For ourselves. <laughs> and if you aren't familiar with Ed and Lorraine Warren, I will give you a quick recap. Do you remember about Ed and Lorraine? Of course, I remember... My main boys, Ed and Laws. Lorraine boys. <laughs> Ed and Lorraine Warren were a married couple. They were also very famous paranormal investigators and authors. They also founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, which is the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. Lorraine was also a clairvoyant and Ed was a demonologist. So Ed and Lorraine investigated over 10,000 cases, including the real case of The Conjuring, which is the parent family, and the Amityville House, which we also did an episode on. Mm, look at that. I've said two, I think. Ed and Lorraine around. I do like him. I find them so interesting. I'm going to cover more stuff of this, probably. Definitely, for sure. 
and also Annabelle, which we are going to talk about right now. <laughs> so the real Annabelle is a Raggedy Ann doll, and I'll include a photo on our social media, which is at MidsMagicPod, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It doesn't look anywhere near as horrifying as I thought it would. I think it looks scarier. You do? I don't know. The one in the films really got me. Well, the thing about a Raggedy Ann doll is that they're smiley and sweet. Ugh, horrifying. No, so you don't expect it, so the fact that it could be, like, so creepy. Also, I feel like the one in the film was a bit too Hollywoody, as you said. It kind of felt like they were trying to make this doll scary. Whereas Raggedy Ann, she's just sweet. Fair. She's a happy-looking doll, and Raggedy Ann dolls tend to be. They're, like, soft fabric dolls with smiley faces. Also, she's huge. She is? Yeah, she's huge. There's a, I'll put a photo of, um, there's a photo of Lorraine carrying her. She's massive. Oh my goodness. She's like this big. Oh my god. Yeah, I'll you'll be able to see it on social media. I just gave Kate a rough demonstration. <laughs> oh my god. She's big. Who made a doll that big? That's just the size that they were. Jesus. So in nineteen seventy, an antique Raggedy Ann was given to a girl called Donna by her mother for her birthday. Donna was preparing to graduate from college with a nursing degree and shared a small apartment with her roommate Angie, who was also training to be a nurse. Donna placed the doll on her bed without much thought. Both girls thought the doll was really cute, but kind of forgot it existed because it just kind of just became a decoration. You know, when you put something down and then just pretend it exists. You always do it with glasses or water. You always do it with everything. <laughs> As several days passed, um, they began to notice that the doll was creeping them out. Like they were just, they both felt weird about it and they were like, I don't know, I don't really like it anymore. Goodness. They began to notice that it started to change its position and move to different rooms from where it had been left. It's an elf on the shelf, but huge. Yeah, huge and smiley. <laughs> the doll would be sitting cross-legged with its arms folded, and sometimes it would be standing upright on its little fabric legs, leaning against a chair or a table. When was this? 70s. Okay. Well, this was 1970. Okay. What are you researching? I didn't know if it was what Chucky was based on. And I was looking up to see when Chucky was made. Donna would often place the doll back on the couch before leaving it to go to work. And she, when she would return, she would find it back on her bed. A month after the doll was gifted to her, Donna started to find handwritten notes. They were seemingly from the doll. Each note was written on scraps of parchment paper with the handwriting of a small child. They said things such as help us and help Lou written on them. L-O-U. The yeah, name. I figured. Short for Louise. This is boy, Lou. Oh, yeah. short for what? Louis. Louis? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the oh, only name. God. Louise. <laughs> Such an idiot. Also, um, Chucky was 88, so I think it's probably what it's based on i don't know there's no fact there but it sounds like a similar story Kay's just guessing things don't <laughs> listen yeah they had a friend called lou and it was unclear why the doll had written his name specifically how did they know it was a boy because they had a friend called lou who was a boy so oh I just I said that was, i thought it was a friend of the doll right why would okay i don't know no it's possessed donna angie and lou were all friends right they all went to college and lou was their friend who was a male okay up until this point, Donna didn't feel the need to call for any particular help from a specialist. She just kind of brushed off the events and was like, a bit weird, but it could just be someone playing a prank. Like, doesn't matter. Fair enough. Until one unsettling event. 
Donna came home to find that her doll had been moved again and was in her bed. Upon further inspection, Donna found that the doll had drops of blood on its chest and on its hands. Petrified with fear, Donna and Angie agreed that they needed help, but they weren't sure where to turn to, so they reached out for a medium. Wait, whose blood was it? Why don't you wait? I'm sorry. So the medium was hired and a seance was conducted. Through the medium, Donna and Angie were contacted by a spirit named Annabelle Higgins, who told them her story. Annabelle explained that she was a young girl who'd lived with the, who'd lived like where the girl's apartment now was. There used to be a right. house there. She lived happily with her family until she was tragically found dead in a field nearby at the age of seven. Annabelle said that she felt safe living with the girls and just wanted to be loved. Feeling compassion for the little girl, Donna said that Annabelle could stay with them inside the doll and in their house without any questions. Oh, love So she gave permission for the spirit to continue inhabiting the doll and oh, stay in the home. Fabulous. Because I believe Don't every do spirit that. that possesses anything I own. I mean, yeah, don't do that. Right? You wouldn't trust someone that like walks in off the street being like, hey, I'm a really nice guy. Like, can I live with you? <laughs> yeah, sure. No! They soon found out, however, that Annabelle was not what she seemed to be. I'm not surprised, even a bit, and they shouldn't be either. Lou, their friend mentioned earlier, had always hated the doll, saying it was evil. He asked Donna and Angie to get rid of it as soon as they got it, but both of them refused. They showed compassion for the doll and also Annabelle. Lou didn't understand this and said he only had terrifying experiences when it came to Annabelle. One night, Lou woke up to find that he could not move his body. Looking towards the end of the bed, he saw Annabelle standing there. Seconds later, he felt the pressure of hands around his throat and he was choked almost to the point of asphyxiation. Another time, he and Angie were home alone in the flat preparing for a road trip and he heard rustling noises coming from Donna's room. Lou quietly made his way to the door and waited for the noises to stop before entering. When he opened the door, the room was empty except for Annabelle in the corner, looking like she'd just kind of been tossed there. He started searching for anything out of place, but as soon as he got close to the doll, he had a strong feeling someone was behind him. Turning around, nobody was there, and then in a second he found himself grabbing for his chest, doubled over and bleeding. On his chest were seven scratch marks, three vertical and two horizontal. They were hot like burns. Interestingly, they healed in two days and showed no signs of even being there. She was trying to play tic-tac-toe. She might have. <laughs> Just gotta get bored being a doll. <laughs> yeah, man. Play Norton Crosses on someone's skin. I'm just trying to play, Lou. <laughs> After the violence, Donna realised this wasn't actually the spirit of a little girl. And was something quite sinister. I mean, it could be a little girl. But whatever age it is, it's evil. Yeah. He reached out to a priest named... Father Hegan. Donna explained what had been happening with regards to the doll and, the f- and Father contacted another priest, Father Cook. Father Cook had knowledge of the paranormal and demons and he immediately contacted the Warrens to come and investigate. Ed and Lorraine took interest in the case and came to the immediate conclusion that the doll itself was not possessed but man- manipulated by inhuman presence. So a spirit cannot possess inanimate objects like houses or toys, they can only possess people. An inhuman spirit can attach itself to a place or an object, which is what they think ha- happened in like the animal case. What's the difference? An inhuman spirit? What does that mean? Like a demon. Oh, okay. All right. So not just a dead person. Not, not someone who's just passed over. No. Right. 
The spirit manipulated the doll and created an, the illusion of being alive to get recognition. It was not looking to stay attached to the doll, but was rather looking to possess a human host. And then Lorraine concluded that this was an inhuman demonic spirit in the infestation stage. So do you know about how possession works? Not really, no. So I will explain this. There are several stages of possession. The first is manifestation, which is when the spirit is invited in, intentionally or unintentionally. Like when she said, you can fuck in love with us? Yes. (laughs) Or if you do like a spirit board, or if you bind something. The second step is infestation, which is when the spirit makes itself known to you. So like, it'll scratch you or rustle the curtains and things like that. Mm -hmm. Oppression, which is when it makes it difficult for the target to sleep giving them nightmares or hallucinations and trying to expose any weaknesses. In this stage, the target can sometimes like start embracing bad habits or have like fits of suicidal thoughts, feel overwhelming anxiety, depression or sadness. And this can take a super long time or like really short, depending on how strong the, per- the person's free will is mm-hmm. and how easy it is for them to like break. Mm-hmm. And the goal of this is to break them down so that they, they are open enough to be possessed and the final stage is possession. So the Warren said that the, the demonic spirit that was moving the doll around the house was trying to spark recognition. And Donna and Angie bringing the medium into their house allowed the spirit to communicate with them and it played with their vulnerabilities by telling them that it was, it was a girl. Because uh-huh. they were like, oh no, you can stay. And then yeah. they realised that they had weaknesses. So it started to begin the oppression phase, scaring the victims with the notes and the blood on the doll and attacking Lou. And if they hadn't contacted the Warrens when they did, the spirit might have completely possessed one or all of them, or killed them. Jesus. The Warrens felt it was appropriate to ask Father Cook to give the apartment an exorcism, an exorcism blessing to cleanse it, rather than trying to expel the evil entities. Mm -hmm. They would rather fill it with positive energy. Right. Father Cook was kind of uncomfortable with his role, but, you know, he still did it. And the ritual was seven pages. The Warrens agreed to take the doll back with them in case the spirit was still inside of Annabelle. Uh-huh. And the suspicions were correct. While driving home in their car, the doll made the car swerve and stall every corner, and then it caused the brakes to fail. The car verged on collision multiple times, and while Lorraine was driving, it began dousing the doll in holy water in attempts to get it to stop. Lorraine. <laughs> Maybe Soggy Lorraine doll. was just an awful driver. <laughs> You've considered that? I mean, it's entirely possible. Why would they letting the drivers. doll drive the car in the first place? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he just started waterboarding this doll while she was like, Stop swerving. it! <laughs> yeah, so, you know, she was still pretty angry. When they arrived home, Ed put the doll at the desk, like on the chair, and it started showing up in different rooms in the house like it did in the last location. At one point, an exorcist came to the house to talk with Ed and Lorraine, because they knew exorcists, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. And the guy picked up the doll and was like, you're just a rag doll, Annabelle, you can't hurt anyone. And he tossed it in the chair. And Ed was like, that's one thing you better not say. <laughs> My dude, please stop. Right after this, Lorraine pleaded to the exorcist to be careful driving home and call them when he arrives. The man agreed and later called them, saying his brakes had failed at a busy intersection. He was involved in a nerve-fatal crash that <laughs> destroyed his vehicle. Oh my god. The Warrens had a special case built for Annabelle, and she was placed at the occult museum. Sorry, what an idiot? That man is an exorcist. Yeah, right. And he, he was, was just, just like, like ah, tiny doll. What a stupid doll. <laughs> Threw it. What an idiot. Yeah, really dumb. Don't do that. 
Uh, Annabelle has a sign on it inside this little case, and it says, warning, positively do not open. Well, yeah, I can understand why. I also saw a um, a story from Ed as well, where when he put her in the museum, like a, a couple were mocking her. They were like, oh, what a stupid doll. And Ed was like, you shouldn't mess with these things. <laughs> Please shut up. And on the way back, they were like taking the piss out of the doll and they got on his motorbike and then he immediately crashed into a tree and he died and she got in hospital. And he was like, Ed was like, you shouldn't mess with evil because it'll just win every time. Oh my goodness. Why are people so... Even if you don't stupid. believe, why are you messing with it? Well, it's like what I was saying the other episode about Ouija boards. I'm like, if there's something there, I'm not going to annoy it. And if there's nothing there, it's a waste of time. Like, why are you going to be slagging off a doll in general? Who's got time in their in their day? <laughs> this doll go, sucks. Oh, that doll's so stupid. If there's nothing in it. And if there's something in it, you're dumb. You'd be surprised, though, I guess. Lots of people are just weird. So much negativity in people's lives. You're slagging off a children's doll. This doll is a loser. <laughs> right. Oh, stupid hair doll. Right. That's Annabelle. So that's the story. And while it's not got like a super big climax, I think that would have made for a more interesting film than... Because it's based on reality rather than trying to make up something that they think is scary. I get why they didn't, but... I understand embellishments, um, but... They completely changed everything. Everything. Yeah, you don't need to change an origin story that's that good. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially because Ed and Lorraine Warren were there. Like, yeah. this happened to them. I don't know. If you like the film, then let us know why um, and what your thoughts are in comparison. I mean, maybe if you don't know the story, the film is good. But I was watching it expecting this story, which is why I was disappointed. You know? Yeah, I've just watched a lot of horror films. I feel like I've got like a really kind of high... Um, not that we've ever watched any film we've spoken about on here, but <laughs> we've watched like two. Yeah, but I feel like I've just got kind of a checklist that I need for to class it as a good horror film now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get you. And it just didn't deliver for me personally. Let us know if you like Annabelle. Let us know if you like Raggedy Andals. <laughs> Why? Let us know if you like Toys R Us. Let us know if you like the podcast by giving it a review on iTunes. Oh, that was smooth. Oh, goodness me. All right, on with your spiel. Before we get into Kate's story, I'm going to drop some self-promo bombs here. If you like the podcast, give us a review. It really does help us out. It helps us get on the charts and stuff so people can listen to the podcast. Uh, give us... A like on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Myths Magic Pod. We post all the photos that we talk about on here, on there. What on am here, I talking about? On, there. on here, on there. <laughs> uh, you can also support the podcast through some cash if you've got any spare cash. If you go to our website, mythsmagicandmurder.weebly.com, there's a button there that says support the podcast, and you can subscribe to our Patreon. You can donate via PayPal, or you can buy us a coffee. Did someone say Patreon? Go on, real quick. <laughs> yeah, uh, just really quick. We have a bunch of different tiers. They go from not a lot to a bit more. And you can get different things like new episodes um, that you won't get on Spotify, Apple, etc. Um, so exclusive. And Discord and just kind of the ability to chat to us more on there. And hand-drawn cards. Yes, hand-drawn cards also. 
you know what you can get that's also hand drawn? <gasps> I made a print that we can <laughs> sign and send to you. Again, on the website, there's a shop button, and you can buy that there. I will ship it anywhere you like. And that's it for today's promo corner. Yeah, if you don't have any cash, don't worry. Just give us a like, give us a review. doesn't matter. But we appreciate everything that you do for us. Thank you very much. So, I am talking about the Pontefract Poltergeist, which I will try to say as less, less as possible, because it is turning out to be pretty impossible. <clears throat> My sources. UK's Most Haunted Number One, which is a video that I got on YouTube. Unexplainedmysteries.com, hauntedrooms.co.uk, Poltergeist, a classic study in destructive hauntings by Colin Wilson, which is a book. 30eastdrive.com, ghostwatch.net, wikipedia, metimeforthemind.com, ufoinsight.com, dailymail.co.uk. Well, I watched the film Annabelle, so... (laughs) So, this story, obviously, is in Pontefract, which is a town in Yorkshire, which is in England. Interestingly, it's where Harold Shipman began his murder spree. If you don't know him, I'll inevitably cover it at some point. But it's a really interesting serial killer that we yeah. have in England. That's cool. Yeah. In September 1966, Joe and Jean Pritchard lived with their children, Philip, who was 15 at the time, and Diane, who was 12. They lived at 30 East Drive. On September 1st, only Philip and Sarah Scholes, who was Jean's mother, so Philip's grandmother, were at the house, as Jean, Joe and Diane were on a short break to Devon over the bank holiday weekend. Sarah was knitting in the living room, and Philip was outside reading a book because it was unseasonably hot for September. As he walked in, the back door slammed as a gust of wind swept through the house, and apparently Sarah was like, How is Philip staying outside this late? Because it's super cold when it was warm outside. Oh, yeah. Then Philip noticed it was icy cold in the room that his grandma had been sitting in. They were looking around and Philip noticed that there was a cloud of whitish dust that was coating the furniture. Apparently, it only coated the lower half of the room, so it wasn't dust from the ceiling like when the door banged. Um, as this would have covered the whole room. Did they leave the window open? Was it snow? No, it wasn't snow. I had to just ask that before. It was unseasonably hot, Abby. Okay. (laughs) Global warming does weird things, doesn't it? Philip and his grandmother swore that the dust had come from around shoulder height. Dandruff. (laughs) From who? Continue. (laughs) They went to go and get... Aunt Marie, who I'm presuming is Philip's aunt, who lived close by, to help clean up all of the powder and see if she could find a way to explain it. But as Marie walked through the door, she slipped on a puddle of water. It was mopped, but then more puddles kept appearing. No one could figure it out, and they called um, the water company to say, can you send someone over because we're getting floods. And he came round and there was no burst pipe, no reason that anything should be getting puddles anywhere. I hate that. Yeah. That sounds like an absolute nightmare. Right. It sounds like when you break the sink in Sims and it just floods the whole living room. But apparently it only happened for like a few hours. It's so weird. That same night, a heavy chest of drawers started swaying with no explanation as to how or why. Also, the button on the tea dispenser was being pressed in and out, spraying the whole worktop with tea. 
Sarah and Philip went to stay at a neighbor's house out of fear because obviously Philip is 15 and there's a heavy chest of drawers swaying. Yes. And I don't know how old Sarah is, but she's a grandmother. Yeah. So Marie, who's Aunt Marie, in case you forgot, and Vic, who's Marie's husband, went over to the house and phoned the police to make sure there wasn't an intruder messing with the family. The police found no one inside and left, but Marie still wasn't happy. She went to get her friend, Mr. O'Donnell, who was apparently interested in ghosts. He went round the house to have a look, but nothing out of the ordinary happened besides the freezing temperatures. On his way out, he remarked, If it were a poltergeist, then they do funny things, and a telltale sign is if they tear up photos. Vic and Marie said goodbye, and went back into the house to lock up. As they did, they heard a crash. They turned on the lights, and before them was Jean and Joe's wedding photograph, slashed from end to end. No. <laughs> yeah. When You're the rest rallying of the- it up now. <laughs> rallying it up. You annoying him. When the rest of the family got home, everything weird that was going on had stopped. Joe and Jean must have thought there was a logical explanation as to why these things had happened while they were gone. And they all just went about their business for two years with nothing else happening. Two years? Two I thought you were going to say like two weeks. No, no. Two years. Two whole years. After these two years, though, the hauntings happened again. But this time they were more sinister and directed mainly at Diane. She was thrown from the bed, and on one occasion she was dragged up the stairs by her neck. Oh, that's rough. There were apparently markings on her neck, as if it were a pair of hands that had grabbed her and pulled her up. That's horrifying. I hate that. Loud banging sounds from around the house became commonplace, and objects would be broken from being flown across the room. They named the poltergeist Fred. Oh, <laughs> I mean that's the best thing you can do in a situation like that. And if you if you try and bond with it, at least in your head, it makes everything a bit less scary. I just love people so much. Like, oh, something's just grabbed my daughter and dragged her upstairs by her throat. I think we'll call him Fred. It's just Fred. It's like when I see a spider <laughs> and I absolutely hate them, which is ironic, really, because I do a you know a scary podcast. But I'll be like. <laughs> Oh, that's just Bruce. Because it makes me fear him less. (laughs) Joe and Jean weren't messing about. They brought in two priests to perform two separate exorcisms. The poltergeist obviously wasn't phased by this, though, as I read from one source that it was almost like a ghostly pair of hands that came out and conducted the prayers that were being used to sort of exile the apparition. (sighs) Yeah, so he was basically just having a laugh at him. Also, apparently the poltergeist made the walls leak with holy water during the exorcism. How do you stop this thing? Right. He destroyed crucifixes, you know, normal ghosty stuff. But, yeah, he really wasn't asked. He ain't playing. <laughs> now, Maud, who's Jean's sister, wasn't having any of it. She was convinced that Jean was making it up so she could get media attention, you know, whatever. So Jean was like, okay, come and stay over. So she did. Apparently as soon as Maud got to the house, the lights went out and a milk jug made its way over to her and emptied milk all over her. She still didn't believe it. Why? (laughs) How do you explain that? Oh, my floating milk jug, I just bought it from Argos. (laughs) So she agreed to stay the night in Diane's room with her. That night, 
Food was chucked from the refrigerator onto the floor. The lights flickered. The reading light floated out of the room. How would she not believe in this? And four light bulbs turned up in Diane's room. Apparently they were from the, the gas light fireplace or something. But there were just four random light bulbs that turned up in the room. I found these. Yeah. Like when a cat brings you a mouse. <laughs> Here I you found go. these for you. Then a pair of Maud's fur gloves wrapped themselves around the door. So it looked like there was a huge monster trying to get in. That's so funny. Yeah, right? So, like, imagine a door that's ajar. And you know how, like, if you're in bed, you can see the door. Just, like, fingers wrapping around the door frame. Or, like, the, the door itself, sorry. This ghost is so funny. I mean, terrifying, but at least he can take a joke. Well, that's why they thought it was a poltergeist. Because I swear poltergeists are just, like, absolute jokesters. Yeah. So, like, you know, they were like, oh, it's just a poltergeist. But... Due to the, you know, grabbing the kid and, like, pushing her out of bed and stuff like that. Everyone was like, uh, it's just a really dangerous poltergeist, we guess. Yeah, so. poltergeists do, like, loud disturbances rather than just living in your house. Yeah. Kind of thing. Neither Joe nor Jean wanted to move. Oh, Ma- I'm pretty sure Maud believed them after that, after the gloves thing. I think that's Whoa. what tipped her over the edge. Good. <laughs> so neither Joe nor Jean wanted to move, which is understandable because you don't just buy a house to be chased out of it by something you can't see. But I'm pretty sure one night they really regretted not having moved out because they awoke to see a cloaked dark figure standing at the bottom of their bed watching them. That's the worst part. Before it simply disappeared. <laughs> yeah, no. The the being watched thing is too much. Like, While you're asleep as well. That creeps me out. Yeah, so much. If there's a ghost in my house, as long as it can just, you know, leave the room while I'm sleeping, then it's fine. Or even if it just doesn't show itself to me. If you want to watch me sleep, fine. Do whatever. I don't know what you want to do or why. But be invisible. But don't let me know you're there. Yeah, because I'll just leave. I'll just move house. <laughs> yeah, right. Then you can never watch me do anything again. Ha! <laughs> I win. So a guy called Tom Cuniff, Cuniff, I don't know which one, investigated the haunting and history of the area and speculated that if they did in fact see someone in robes, it was possibly a monk that had been hanged for the rape and murder of a young girl. He'd found the record that that monk existed. Like, that's why he kind of inferred that. Right. And he wasn't just saying that. No, I don't know why like, he just guessed Oh, that. it's a monk. Yeah, for sure that was done for rape and murder. No, he knew okay. that that had occurred. So he was like, oh, put two and two together. It's probably this guy. He had found that the monk was real and was in fact hanged on the gallows site. Which is the same site as where number 30 is, which is their house. That's rough. Yeah, that's incredibly unlucky. I am gonna check the history of every house I ever want to buy. Yeah, if you buy a house, do some googling. Yeah, it doesn't take long. Something like a gallows. That's gotta be kind of. Maybe you should know that, especially because so many houses in England are like insanely old. Yeah, and like they've all got archives. Go to your local library and check. 
Yeah. Check the town Don't records. just move in somewhere and be like, it's fine, and then get haunted. It's yeah. not worth it. You don't want to move in and find out there was a massacre there 100 years ago. You want to know. Or maybe you do. Well, I don't know who listens to this. Yeah, but you don't want to be surprised by it. That's true. Yeah, you I mean, you can move into a house that's had whatever happened to it. I don't know what you like to do, but don't be surprised. Anyway. So, although the sighting of the monk was thought to be the end of it, Philip Pritchard, who was the young boy, obviously now is not so young, he'd sold the house shortly before a film was made about the events. A neighbour had asked if he'd sold it to one of his nephews because she knew that they were deaf and she'd said that the telly was blasting all night, to which Philip replied that there was in fact no TV in the house as it was empty. (laughs) Yeah. So evidently Fred is still about um, trying to mess with people. Sounds like a fun guy. So the film that was made is called When the Lights Went Out, which is a 2012 film directed by Bill Bungie. Bungay? I don't know. Interestingly, the director of the film now owns the property. That's dedication. I respect that. (laughs) He said that it was because he was looking for new ways to promote. So this led to the two competition winners walking down a small red carpet down the path of number 30 to go and watch the film in the house it was about. That's so cool. Right? That's a really cool thing to do. Right? I love that. Yeah. He did a good job. Um, I haven't seen that film, surprisingly, because I haven't seen any film I ever talk about on this podcast. <laughs> we only talk about films we don't know. It's not, it's not the same. <laughs> the, the house was kept open to visitors, as far as I'm aware, and there was a sceptical eye cast across the house when TV's Most Haunted did a broadcast live from the house on Halloween 2015. One of the crew members came down the stairs and something appeared to drag him backwards. However, by the next day, everyone aware this was a fake ploy to get more views as the rope that pulled him back was easily visible from the camera angle. You'd think they'd practice this stuff. Yeah, right. So that is everything that I have about the poltergeist and the house. That's very interesting. Thank you. Yeah, so it was short and sweet, but... Fred didn't actually do too much. He was just a bit of an ass sometimes. Yeah. That was a request as well, wasn't it? If you have any requests, send them in. We'll cover them. Yeah. Maybe. Let us know. I'm always looking for new stuff, things that other people find interesting. So thank you for the request. Definitely. I like that. So, some questions. Okay. A quiz. <laughs> yeah. His name was Fred. What was the date? That- <laughs> 74. <laughs> so... Um, how scary do you think this is? I mean, it's pretty scary. I I'm think like th- ten though. Um, like a, I guess six. Like a six. Well, I think the thing about this is that it's not. It's it. It's a scary thing. If it was happening to me, I'd be scared. But because Fred seems like such a jokester, and his name is Fred. I'm less, like, horrified because he, he doesn't seem like he wants to, like, kill him or anything. He just seems like he's just trying to mess with him a bit. I don't know if he is a jokester, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, if if it is that monk, the oh, rape definitely. and murder of a girl, and also then he starts preying on your daughter. I mean, yeah, that's... Dragging her up the stairs. Not good. Mm. Start, no. 
that's mm. a bit of an understatement. How scary do you think Annabelle is out of 10? I don't know. I think Annabelle... Annabelle's not that scary to me because I wouldn't fuck with her. You just toss it out immediately. No, but I mean, like, you know how, like, anyone that speaks dead of her is then, like, dead? That speaks ill of her is then, like, dead? Yeah. I just wouldn't. (laughs) I would respect that it's a doll that I don't want to be near. Thank you. I think what I find creepy about her, though, is that um, she lied. A demon had lied about being a child to live in someone's house. That is creepy. It's like orphan vibes. Yeah. They were like, oh no, it's just a, a, a sweet ghost child. We'll look after... hate ghost children, but they were like, we'll, we'll look after you. Why were they not doing the research? Google if there's been a kid that died. Because this was the 70s. Oh yeah. Go to the library. <laughs> Find newspaper clippings. Well, newspapers were still around in the 70s. They didn't put any effort in. They deserved it. They didn't deserve it, but... Anyway. Do you think that it happened? Or do you agree with Maud originally before the whole glove thing? No, I'll get down with it. <laughs> cool. All right, moving on. <laughs> I'm I'm very, like, open. I mean, it could have happened. Yeah, okay. I'll let you have it. What do you think any other explanations could have been? There are none. <laughs> All right, but things like, um, you know, it could have been chalk dust from the ceiling when the door slammed which was the white powder oh yeah that part could have been explained but the puddles that kept reappearing even though someone came into the house to check them how do you explain that the tv even though no one was there the girl who got dragged up the stairs all right yeah i'm not i'm not saying it can be explained away i was just asking if you had any idea that's why i believe it but i wasn't there so it could be a hoax they could want media attention but interestingly, though, this is before the Amityville Horror. So they wouldn't have known, you know, there was no one before that had kind of got like a book deal and a film deal out of it. The film was only made in 2012. So it's kind of unlikely that they would have been like, oh, we can just do what they did. Oh, true. Yeah. Maybe Amityville was like, oh, we can just do what they did. Maybe. You know, been like, oh, it was built on this like burial ground. And now it's haunted. Oh, I didn't even think And there think was slime that. gooting from the walls rather than, like, holy water. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, possibly. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> can't believe that you just outed that you didn't think Amityville was real. I already said I don't think Amityville yeah, was real. <laughs> but as soon as you were like, there's a huge ghost pig, I was like, doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, there were so many lies. I so two, I think. Go check. Um, apparently, the... um. The film is only loosely based on the events because he was asked whether... So Bill was in an interview and they were like, oh, how you know, realistic is this to what happened? And he was like, well, we kind of just took the crux of it and changed it because I think a quote was, I want... I'm making a four million pound film, not a documentary. Fair enough. So... Which I thought was quite good, because then it's a good way of being like, look, it's not legit. If you want legit, look it up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. I respect that. It was quite good. But... Seems like a cool guy that directed from what you <laughs> It does, yeah. Seems really chill. Yeah. 
he was um someone asked why he bought it and he was like i don't know what possessed me excuse the pun and i was like <laughs> stop it bill <laughs> so so that was it that's that's all i got for you good well thank you for that that's okay thank you for annabelle thank you for listening listeners and let us know how scary you think both of those stories are and whether you think they're real or not yeah definitely but don't speak ill of annabelle because who knows oh yeah don't do that yeah we love you <laughs> i used to do that when i um when i used because when i was a kid i used to be really scared of mannequins and ghosts and everything else so i started just being like when I was like seven, this is completely irrelevant. I'm gonna say it anyway because I already started. When I was like seven, I was really scared of shop mannequins, like really scared. So I used to go to them in shops to like try and conquer my fear and make them like a baby by being like, "Wow, your outfit's so nice." <laughs> <laughs> because then I was oh like, "What goodness. if if they do have an uprising, they won't get me." It's like I used to work in this pub, and every time we go down to the cellar, there was a scary doll uh, that we all thought was possessed called Tracy and every time you saw Tracy everyone was nice to her because we were like well if we're nice to Tracy she will not hurt us yeah so there you go be nice to the things you're scared of be nice to things that strike fear into your heart at 2am yeah and speaking of if it's 2am you shouldn't be listening because you shouldn't listen before bed you should you should listen before bed (laughs) 